It's time to prepare the bride. It's time to be holy and purified. Time for her flesh to be Shalom and welcome to the Remnant Remedy Show where we're living and learning a restoration lifestyle. This is Nitsa Moshe and um, I'm glad to be here. It's, it's a privilege to be here on the Heart of the Tribes and I have not done live radio in a, a couple of years. I've been on the radio for the last few years uh, since 2011 but I lots of things happened that I needed to overcome. And we started out with Remnant Mama shows and on Hebrew Nation Radio. And we did like three to five shows a week. And I went to Lamb Radio um, simultaneously. And then I ended up staying with Lamb and they've been playing my archives for several years now. And so I'm glad to be back, glad to be back here um, intermingling with the audience. This is my first time here on StreamYard. So I hope that I do these things correctly. And um, we're going to start uh, a series. A lot of times I'll just do one show about a certain topic or something. But this time I'm going to start a series uh, about what we call high places. And what, what I want to do is I want to tie in a lot of things about uh, technology, what's going on in the world, how and why we get sick, things that, things that are going on. And so uh, if you'll bear with me. We'll, we'll get into the swing of things here and we'll get started. Um, first of all, I want to say that um, this is being recorded and hopefully it will get uploaded to uh, Rumble and Heart of the Tribes, etc., wherever the different places are that it's going. So let's get started with, I thought what I would do this week, instead of going into the detailed teaching in the Hebrew I would start out with how and why I have come to this place over the years and why is this topic important to me uh, and why is it important to all of you, right? So the first thing I think I will do is I will try to share the slides here, uh, share the screen and I will get the right one here. Okay. All right. So let's go back up to the first one here. Um, and what you're looking at here, this is a high place, right? And this whole series is going to be tying all these different things together um, into the high places, correct? So, but this particular place um, and, and everything is under the most high. And this battle that we are seeing today started probably in my opinion, before the creation in Genesis 1. And so um, it's an ongoing battle. And it's all about this power struggle um, to overcome all of creation and mankind against the Most High. It's, it's, I thought I had my alarm turned off. Okay, let me, sorry about that. Okay. So what we're looking at here in this picture is um, this was on my second trip, I believe, to Israel in 2019. 
which I am so thankful that I got to go right before the shutdown. My next trip was hopefully going to be back to Jordan. So we'll see. Um, I want to visit the Mount Nebo and the Mount of Gilead, uh, Mount Nebo to study and look more into the balm of Gilead, the true balm of Gilead, not what a lot of people sell and, and portray as the balm of Gilead. Um, but there's different ways of looking at that. So we'll talk about those later. Okay, so what we're looking at here, what are we, where is this? Where, where are we here? Right here is this picture of this dove looking down over the buses um, that are parked down at the bottom of the Masada. And the Masada is a fortress. Um, it was actually King Herod's summer, uh, excuse me, winter home. And this is, um, so you, when you get up there at the top and you're walking around the buildings, this is just looking out through one of the, walls to the houses or buildings that the people would have lived in there looking down and as you can see back here in the back is the dead sea and um i just want to say so one of the things that you always see me talking about especially when i do the ancient hebrew um when i go into that uh, on the show that i'm doing tomorrow at messianic glam radio and i will bring back and forth here but more in detail there is that the Olive and Tav was there right in the beginning. And Olive Tav can be many things. It's the spirit, it's Yeshua. Um, you know, he said, I'm the first and last, but he didn't, he, he didn't, he didn't really say, I don't think he really said, I'm the Alpha and Omega. That's a translation. Okay. He was referring to Genesis 1:1. He is what everything was made through and of. So that and that what we're gonna do is tear that apart later in the next few shows of how all of this, everything, everything in the world, everything in our, our existence, seen and unseen, goes back to that first sentence in the scriptures of Genesis 1-1. And we're going to talk about the vibration and energy, how that all interplays into the high places and how the enemy is using it against us today. So that's you know, where I'm going to be just giving you lots of different information and we're going to be pulling it together and then going back and looking at the foundation of that. So anyway, um, this is interesting because this is Mount Nebo from the bottom. And when you, when you get there and you see, they got these trams that go up there to the top and you can't see, but on, on the very top is basically the, the ruins of a city, uh, and, on the back side is a, a palace that overlooks that king um, here.
It's time to prepare the bride. It's time to be holy and purified. Time for her flesh to be Shalom and welcome to the Remnant Radio Show where we're living and learning a restoration lifestyle. This is the second time and second try for today because we have lost internet. So I'm going to start over because I don't know what got taken on and what, what didn't. So we will start over. Anyway, the what I'm going to do today is I'm going to share about how, how I came to this place of looking at high places uh particular and it has to do with digitization has to do with energy frequency uh, what's going on in the world today the past technology but it really is all there in scripture especially in genesis 1 1 when we're looking at elohim created the heavens and the earth but the key factor in there is the olive and the top which is yeshua which is the spirit which is the breath and the energy and the life force um, that came forth from, from Elohim. So um, again, I'm just going to start over and we hopefully will keep the internet. I don't know why those things happen, but I can tell you that many things have happened to keep me from doing this show today. So let us look at a PowerPoint and I'll start back hopefully by from the beginning. So um, first, I just want to share with you, if we if we look out at creation, we, we grow plants, etc. They they reach up towards the sun. They reach up towards the heavens, the leaves, the trees, everything. It reaches up and, you know, you can move into the darkness and it's just going to the energy life force. And especially in plants, you'll see and people will gear towards light. Right. Unless there's some energy or spirit that causes it to want to go into darkness. And um, we're going to talk about the difference between Amar, which was used uh, to translate into English for spoke. But I think really it's more of a communication, uh, which is a thought process. And we'll go into detail on that versus Debar, and uh, which is also translated into the word or saying or something like that versus uh, its contronym, Debar. So we can look at Debar as uh, vibrations, frequencies of energy for life. And we can look at Deber, which is vibrations or frequencies of disorder and chaos and death. Uh, and Amar, we can look at in the pictograph language, which we will do, um, is the electromagnetic, see, thoughts are electromagnetic energy. And it was, I believe, with the thought at the head, uh, when we look at the word and tear it apart of Amar, that everything was brought into existence. And those, and that word Amar is only used for communication until after the curse of the flood. And Yahweh tells Noah with both Amar and Abar how to or what to do to per communicate to him about getting out of the ark. And if you want the beginning thing that I did on that, if you go to our YouTube channel, uh, I believe on Rumble and on YouTube, I think it's still there. Um, it's called the Battle of the Living Stones. And I, that is when I first started that. And um, I've learned so much more since that. So if you, if you want to know that difference, maybe more in detail for now, that would be it. 
But a lot of what I'm going to do today is this, I'm going to share with you the journey of how I have come to this place. Okay. Um, so this picture that you're looking at, which I'm going to share the screen here, is, there we go. Okay. And anyway, I'm sharing the screen here. And this picture that you're looking at here is the top of Masada in Israel. It's uh, you're if you look out over here, you can see the Dead Sea, which is the lowest, I believe, the lowest point on the earth. And up here is this dove pigeon looking down at all the people and the buses and things that are coming up there. And so I pictured this because I always thought it was phenomenal. And I want to one day go to Mount Nebo, which is really originally Israel, but is on the Jordan side on the north of the Dead Sea which is where the Balm of Gilead, um, the Gilead Mountains are, which is the true Balm of Gilead is actually a myrrh, uh, like a myrrh plant, um, which in the U.S. it's, you know, there's a lot of pine trees with resins and stuff that are considered or called the Balm of Gilead. And of course, Yeshua is the Balm of Gilead. But, um, and we're going to talk about some of those things and intermingle all of this so we can get a big picture and all the things that we think might not be connected to what's going on in the high places, which is the original battle from creation between the most high Yeshua, Yahweh, and the enemy who fell from heaven. Um, so here's some other pictures looking up over the Dead Sea and you can see uh, the people up at the top of um, the, 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 the ruins, basically. Uh, there was a huge community here and you can read about steady Masada which when you're looking down from the bottom, it's actually quite amazing. When you see they have this tram that goes up there. I mean, this is a day hike. Uh, it's, uh, you, you know, they have a road that goes around and weaves up to the top. But when you look at this and see that these people were up here and there was this fortress, you can imagine, uh, especially modern day man, uh, that we're just not rough and tough and strong enough to climb up this mountain and take some batterings and things up there and do battle against it uh, to get into the top to overcome the uh, Israelites, the Jewish people. So anyway, um, so that's where, uh, I, and I wanted to bring up, cause so I was thinking of the Masada and um, it's, we have to understand the, the lowest level of the sea or the earth right now is the Dead Sea. And that's one of my number one places in the world that I would love to be at and love to go to. And a lot of people, they overlook it when they go to Israel. And they don't realize that by sitting in that Dead Sea, it's, you're going to, your body's going to be absorbing all these life-giving minerals to your body. In fact, I had a headache on my first trip and got in there and the headache went right away, right away. Um but it is the Dead Sea. It is a very low level. And it's interesting, the atmosphere there is even such that you it's it's harder to get a sun sunburn because of the atmosphere there. Um, but it it is only from sea level, um, I think a thousand four hundred and seventy-six feet. I might have my numbers mixed up because I just got these right before. 
uh, I think it's actually a little lower. But we have to understand that it looks higher and taller because it starts below sea level at the Dead Sea, whereas Mount Nebo is um, 2,000 329 feet above sea level. So I haven't been there to see if it looks taller or lower, but it's going to look, um, you know, Masada is going to look taller. It's going to be a high place. And one of the things we're going to learn about high places is that is where the patriarchs would go to pray. That's where they would go up, of course, to meet with Yahweh. And if you're coming from that background or know, the enemy, uh, witchcraft, New Agers, they go to high places. They go to the tops of mountains. They go to the top headwaters where the waters come down. Um, here, here, even in the mountains of Northwest Montana and North Idaho, uh, they will send their little prayers and light their little candles and float them down the rivers. Uh, and they will go up to these high places to pray. And then, of course, Yahweh's people, and, and I've done this during Sukkot, drive up to the top of a mountain and just pray up over the valley. Um, and it's interesting, um, during the bubonic plague, there, there was, uh, you know, different periods of history that we had that. And it used to be that they would blame the Jews for the bubonic plague. And they would say that it was because they would go up on the top of a mountain and they would release a vial of something that would float down into the valley um, to make the people sick. So we're going to see there's all kinds of things about high places. And the thing I want to bring to your attention that we'll go into a little more later is what's at the top of high places now? You know, whether it's the top of the building or the top of a mountain, right? We have these things made out of metal um, that stare down at us and pulse energy um, to, you know, of course, bring us a better technical, logical life, when in reality, it's destroying us. And until I believe the remnant understands how much it is destroying us, I don't think she's going to be ready to totally come out of her because this is the spider web, the infrastructure that's built around the world with the satellites and the drones and the towers, etc., giving us de bear vibrations or frequencies of energy that are causing chaos and death. Okay. So anyway, um, we'll leave that a little bit there and we'll go back into digitization in a few moments. Um, and because that's, well, let's just go there for right now. Okay. Uh, about, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. Okay. I walked into Costco and there was this giant sign over my head when I walked in and it said, digitize your world. Now I'm going to go into my background and my journey here. But when I saw that, the first thing I thought of was the pixels on the huge presses where I used to work. I used to work at a place in Los Angeles called um, Pacific Press. And what they did was they published Time Magazine, U.S. News Magazine, People Magazine, etc. So I would have to walk through the bottom of the huge, huge building. I think it took at least a block. And then we would go upstairs to the administrative offices where I worked. And so you would see 
you know, like if you were just looking for the cover of the magazine, first there would be this little tiny, little tiny digits or pixels of say yellow paint um, that then would be layered over with a green and layered over again with another. So you could see and, and understand that pixels were spread apart, but then as you took those little tiny parts or digit, digits, you would bring them together by layering and layering. Of course, so now we talk about the great uh, pictures that we have and uh, what we can see on television and, and with our cameras, even with our phones, right? Um, is very, very tight. And it looks like, like when you walk into Costco and see one of our TVs, right? The newest TVs, they look more and more and more like an original, like the real thing that Yahweh would create, right? And so digitization tears things apart to bring them together to emulate the reality and the wholeness that Yahweh himself created first. So anyway, my so my, that was my background. And then my other uh, part of my career and my background was I was a telecommunications manager. And so, you know, I was back in the days when before pagers, you know, just when pagers were coming out and uh, I worked for the head office of uh, Lowry's who was bought out by Lipton, who's owned by Unilever, even in the 70s. And so, um, you know, what the, I remember my first time seeing a facsimile, okay, or we call them a fax now. Well, a facsimile is a simulation. It's a copy, right? So how do you take, how do you take a picture or how do you take, you know, this piece of paper, put it down on a glass screen, put the lid down, and then it digitizes or tears apart into tiny little pieces what is on there, whether it's a picture, words, and then it transforms it to go over phone lines, over satellite into the air, and goes all the way clear across the world, right? And then somebody else gets a copy of that picture. And today, we basically can see that with people and holograms, right? So. If you think about it, we could look at that as, wow, that's witchcraft. Wow, that's magic. I mean, could you imagine what people would think 50, 100 years ago, 200 years ago when they saw something like that? Um, so what we have to realize is a lot of things that believers call witchcraft, new age, uh, really isn't. It, it is the creation of Elohim. And it's the understanding of how it works, which the enemy definitely understands. The witches and the warlocks and the New Agers, they definitely understand that there's power in this. And I will jump the gun here and say Elohim's people individually need to understand this and grasp this. And I think one of the things that's going to help us immensely is um, Dr. Alfonso Manzo's book, The Olive Top Body System, which I will be teaching on on Thursdays on Lamb. This is important because this is a way of restoration. We have to understand this and begin to use this power that Yahweh has created. Get it individually, begin to grasp it, and then corporately 
we will unite as a people who will walk in the power of this digitization, if you want to call it that, uh, because it's the only way we are going to overcome the enemy who is using this digitization against us with the weather, with sicknesses that we can pulse into people, uh, make it look like, or, or you know, program it as something else, use digitization to go around the world on media, uh, to tell the lies, to build up the framework to support those lies, et cetera. So um, it's important. So anyway, so I, when I walk into Costco and I have this background in, in telecommunications and the, in the Pacific, um, the press, the press um, runs, when I looked at that sign above my head, the Holy Spirit just like came on me and I was like, why would the enemy want to digitize my world? And I immediately got an answer from the Holy Spirit. And he said, because it is the only way that the enemy can artificially, get this, artificially be omnipotent and omnipresent. And what has the enemy done in the world? They've even convinced us to take it into our own hands. I'm, I'm using this mode right now, right? Um, coming across uh, digitally, right? And it might look like I'm here, but I am not. <laughs> uh, but then in a sense, I am in the spirit realm for sure, okay? So anyway, that's kind of where we're going, but we want to go through uh, this journey, how I got here, and then we're going to go back uh, in the future shows, and we're going to look at where is this in Scripture? How can we see this? And then look at power, uh, because it's all about the power. That's the whole battle. It's over the power. Who's going to control? Uh, who's going to control? Who's going to manipulate, right? Now, we know who wins, right? We know that battle. But do we really know it in such a way that we act in that and we wield the power that he's given us to overcome this when we can't even acknowledge this that we have this power, that we don't really realize that we are literally light beings. We are literally living stones with nanocrystals flowing through our blood with a biophoton field that, you know, we might call aura, right? That can be registered, registered with digital technology and cameras, which by the way, the digital world, the computer world is what has brought us to this understanding because it reveals what was already there. And so but, but it's, it's revealing what's being digitized and taken apart to put back together to be a copy, not the original reality, right? So um, that's what we're going to be trying to look at. So let me just um, go back here. So I mentioned to you in the 70s, uh, I worked at the press. So I, I got these really good pictures and I had to work on the mock-ups and I worked in finance. I worked in sales, marketing, et cetera. But um, so I got this picture of that in my mind. And if you've never seen them or if you're old enough to remember little pixels and how the picture, you know, would be blown out so big that you could see how they originally started with these tiny little dots to layering it and bringing it so close together that, oh, my gosh, now today we look at it and it looks almost real. Right. Um, telecommunications. You know, I was in charge of all the telecommunications for the sales and all the different departments at uh, Lowry's Lipton there in Los Angeles. Um, 
and then left there, moved to Florida, got married, started a family. And I, I don't want to go into this too much, but when I go into things like this, you'll understand why I ended up in health and biblical health and uh, self-healing and self-restoration. And then in this particular case, I was, um, I had, I had been, um, I was an Air Force brat. Okay. So I came through, they told me themselves, socialized medicine. And so I've been kind of, you know, butchered and hacked and uh, hurt really badly through the medical system. And that caused me to get to the place, you know, to really discover Elohim and his healing power. And so when it comes to birth, when it comes to uh, giving birth to children or my health, my what I have learned is that number one, Yahweh is never really as great as we would like for him to be in our lives. Not because he's not great, but because we are always looking for a crutch or something artificial to fill in for him. So, you know, why does he need to come through for us when we don't really depend on him, when we don't really trust him, when he's just standing back and waiting for us to, you know, call out to him. And so, my attitude because of what I went through was, and what I learned was to avoid the medical system at all costs. Now, does this mean if I was in a car wreck, I don't want to be sewn up? No. But what it means is I want him to be first. I want him to direct and literally tell me that I need to step foot into Pharaoh's system. And so my attitude is I'd rather be sick or giving birth in the middle of the desert with no aid from anyone but Elohim because all those other aids may just end up killing me. Um, so I know that may seem really radical, but I will also tell you, this is where the remnant has to get. We, we have to be in this place. And if you think that the Israelites weren't in that place or at least had the need to be in that place before the Exodus, uh, I think we need to rethink again because that's really what the midwives were also about. So um, anyway, um, sorry, I get carried away. So so there was this situation where I'd already had lost two babies and I, I had my second birth, my second full term birth. So I had been, so this is my fourth time pregnant. Anyway, long story short, I won't go into this, um, but the doctor really botched things up um, for me, did a DNC against my will, gave me a pill that almost killed me. And almost, uh, it was very, it was very uh, bad for my daughter too, who I was nursing at the time. So I was on basically on my deathbed, left alone for three or four days because that's just the type of person I was married to at the time. Um, I am happily married 29 years almost now with a wonderful man, but it it was a long, hard road to get there. And so I'm sitting there, I'm laying in bed, I'm blown up like a balloon because of this chemical reaction and having every contraindication from this drug they gave me to stop the cramps, right? Um, and I'm, I'm just sitting there in the bed, well, actually laying, and I look out and, and Elohim gives me this vision. And it is a vision of him speaking and all this color, like, confetti is coming out of his mouth. And so this to me is my first like picture of 
digitization. And I knew that when I saw that color, all those beautiful colors of that confetti coming out of his mouth, right? That it was the voice, it was the energy, it was the words, right, of Elohim. Um, sorry, guys, I'm, I can't, I'm not really good at talking and, and paying attention to anything. I've already lost my track of time, which I didn't really want to do because I got thrown off and I'm back. Um, but anyway, so if I miss something here, I don't, you know, I don't mean to. I'm just, uh, just trying. Okay. So, so anyway, um, so that, that was my first like picture of digitization, right? And I kind of understood the thing about facsimile, et cetera, because of the telecommunication courses I had to take, et cetera. So, um, and then I went through this horrific against my will divorce and um, all these miracle signs and things were happening to me. And uh, whenever I would get to a certain place or be in a really bad place, um, my right hand would start shaking. And it would be like, you know, it was just like, the Holy Spirit was coming on me, but I couldn't understand why is my right hand shaking? So that made me go into a word study on the right. And so when I went through the right from Genesis to uh, Revelation, which is usually how I study a topic, because I want to know what the whole word of God basically says about a particular topic or subject, what its purpose, what it's its design, uh, how is the different ways it's used, uh, what are the different translations, right? And so I learned that the blessing was on the right hand. The offerings were from the right side of the bullock, uh, whatever was you know going on. So, um, so I did this word study, and you know, but I, what I don't want you to do is think that if you're a lefty, right? If you're left-handed and that's the way Yahweh created you, that you are not blessed, okay? Because I know some people will take it that way, and that's not that's not right. But there's a reason, and when we get into energy, right? And we'll, we'll be doing this more, um, probably more so on the lamb shows. But when we get into energy, um, you know, energy as a whole comes in our left side, goes out our right side. If we didn't have positive, negative energy in our body, our heart wouldn't work. The number one way that our body cells communicate is via electricity. Okay. The second way is hormones. And those hormones are actually controlled by neurotransmitters which again is light electricity energy. Okay. So anyway, so just to say, so I had this thing going on with this vibration and energy going with the right hand. And whenever the father would give me a word to tell someone, I would be like, oh, I'm not going to do that. You got to, you got to do this to me three times in a row. Right. Um, and of course, as being a woman, um, it's even harder when you're given a word to go up to share with someone because, you know, there's just this whole stigma, you know, a woman can't teach, a woman can't go up and do certain things. And so if you have a word for someone, but then you have to learn how to fear Yahweh more than you fear man. And whatever your reason, you know, you just necessarily have to be a woman issue. It could be, you know, maybe you don't speak right or, or maybe you're tall, maybe you're short, maybe you're fat, maybe you're thin. Maybe, you know, you have a handicap of some sort. Uh, there'll be these ways that the enemy will use against us because he's always causing us to look with our eyes and not by faith, not by the unseen world. And the real world is the unseen world and it just becomes manifested, right? So 
I didn't mean to share this, but I'm going to. So I was having these words and different things that I would know about people or things or, you know, prophetic things. And so what would happen was um, I was kind of always timid about it. And I still am in a way. But I, Father gave me this really big lesson that really broke my heart. And that was I went to the store one day uh, in Florida and I was there to buy something to fix up the office um, that I managed. And as soon as I parked my car, you know, I get would get words of knowledge sometimes. And all across my, like on a banner, across my head, it goes thief, right? So I'm getting on my car and, and I keep hearing this thief. And so I, I grab my purse and I clutch it up to me. And then I see this car drive up and there's um, two um, black men in it. And one's really big and one's really short. And so I, I get out and I'm walking through the front door. And as I, as I'm walking through the front door, the glass is reflecting this person behind me, the tall one, right? The other one's in the car. And, and I'm looking up at this guy that's at least a head taller than me and understand I am five foot eight, eight and a half. Okay. And the Holy Spirit tells me, turn around and tell him not to do it. And I am like, I am in the South. I've been picked on on school buses. I know how this goes, okay? I am not turning around to tell this man not to do it. So I went through, I, I walked in, I had to go around this jewelry counter all the way back over to the opposite side. And as I got to the opposite side and I looked across, this young man asked to look at a two carat ring. I had taken about three steps, maybe, and all of a sudden the alarms are going off and he's running out the front door with this two-carat diamond ring. And my mouth, of course, drops open and I'm like, I knew he was going to do that. But yet, as soon as I said that, I realized people might think I'm an accomplice, right? So then I was embarrassed. But what happened out of that is I started crying and I started weeping because somebody had been praying for that young man and the Holy Spirit sent me a word for him. I could have told him, don't do it. And he would have looked at me like, you know, what's wrong with you, crazy woman? How do you know what I'm doing here? You know, and uh, of course he got caught and he went to prison. But I felt like Peter, I had denied, I had denied the Lord, right? So from that time on, I learned to be more obedient. And um, I, I used to live out near the Ocala National Forest, which is like one of the number one places for witchcraft. And I used to spend a lot of time out there praying and doing prayer walks and stuff. And um, anyway, um, let's see if I can do this. Uh, I used to go out there and do these prayer walks. And, um, and so one time when I was in town right after this event, because I had to learn the hard way, um, the Holy Spirit told me to go get my my beloved little Bible that I had just gotten back um, after my brother had passed away. I'd given it to him while he was dying of cancer. I got this beloved little Bible back, and the Father told me to mark this verse in Isaiah and give it to her. And like I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in Taco Bell, and 
everybody's gonna see this and this girl's a witch i know she's a witch what am i gonna do but i was i did not want to go through the same thing right so i didn't want to go through another reproof by the lord so i walked up to the counter and i'm telling you as i walked up to the counter everybody in the place went back to the back and the people behind me went back behind me so nobody heard nobody really saw what i did when i walked up to the counter to give this young lady a bible with a verse and i told her the holy spirit wants you to have this and um i went through the next 24 48 hours with a, a lot of demonic attack but anyway those are just examples and so i believe the holy spirit comes to us but he doesn't have to come through digitization right but the enemy can the enemy can send things through to us uh you know with things we can see with radio television phones and thoughts and energy to us that aren't from elohim that is from the enemy and this has even been tested out it's uh, if you want to research it if you can find some of this stuff a lot of it's been scrubbed um silent um silent silent spectrum technology ss or sss that was one of my very first actually the very first radio show i ever did was on that and then you go back and look at the words at um the sound of silence by simon and simon garfunkel whatever their names were and if you understand those words and you look at today it'll creep you out and what was interesting was that one of the um one of the guys singing in the band their father worked in either civil service or military towards that um it could have been in the military or in the civil service working with the contract on technology uh back in that day so i don't know if these guys wrote this knowing exactly what they were saying or doing but i know that the spirit was definitely there so again this this all has to do with energy it has to do with technology okay so um so let's fast forward so then um i'm in montana and i have this dream i actually recorded i used to journal all my dreams and visions but i don't anymore um <laughs> sometimes i do um but there was this red which this is interesting because this dream was like um i, I want to say 2007 ish and i found it really interesting the father's been bringing it back to my mind as of the last two years with the colors that are out there politically right because i never identified it as that but in this dream i saw this red plane and this blue plane coming down over the city these helicopter planes actually they were both planes and helicopters and i remember looking outside and i remember thinking oh my gosh we've, we've got to hide you know these people are not here to help us and all the neighbors were coming out like oh my gosh no big deal you know and i i realized that everybody else around me they had no clue what was going on and sure enough they came down these these troops came out they came through our house and they walked right through the kitchen door out to the back door while we were standing right there at the door trying to hide but had no place to hide and they didn't see us they walked right past us right so i you know and i i woke up and i started praying for america right and the holy spirit stopped me and said don't pray for america pray for my remnant 
See, America is only a place of refuge for the hidden seeds of the sons of Abraham, physically and spiritually. Okay. And so, and then he showed me the definition of a nation. A definition of a nation is not like what we think of it. A nation originally was a tribe. It's a family, right? So when we pray for the tribes, we pray for the family. We're talking the family lineage, right? Um, so, so anyway, that was, you know, don't, and that's the biggest thing. When I did Survival Realty and I had all these believers coming from all over the country, um, uh, one of the things the Father kept impressing upon me, the number one thing I needed to tell them, no matter how crazy they thought I was, was you have to realize that one day you have to realize that you are a patriot citizen of the kingdom of heaven first, first and foremost. You have to know where you came from spiritually in your covenant and you have to know where you're going. And it's not about getting all your guns, not to say you shouldn't have self-protection, you know, protect yourself, get your animal, eat, whatever. But it's it's about the kingdom. And go back and reread your scriptures and see that there's a restoration and a greater exodus. And even if you don't make it to that, you're going to have to make a decision. Are you an American first? Are you Chinese first? Are you English first? Are you Australian first? Or are you a citizen of the kingdom? That is your king. That is your first and foremost rule to live by. Um, so anyway, a nation is a family. It's a tribe. It's not what we call nations today, okay, which is a conglomeration of the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, there are unrighteous nations and unrighteous families, of course. Um, and then, then let's fast forward. Well, actually, we'll go back a few years before that. So I think it was in 1992 in Florida, just a week or two before Hurricane Andrew hit the south of Florida. I lived in the center, dead center of Florida. And if you don't know, I don't know if you realize this, that the hurricane doesn't actually have to hit you before you suffer the consequences of the hurricane. And in Florida, especially out in the Ocala Forest, you can just get a what they call a microburst, um, and there's have another word for it. I can't think of it. It's just like a tiny little tornado that comes in because the outer bands of the hurricane are bringing in this wind. But it, you know, you might get one. You may get none. You may get you know a couple here and there days before this hurricane arrives. Well, yeah. So what? There was a hurricane down south, right, coming in. But I'm in the center of Florida, and I, you know, it's bright, sunshiny out. I had a miracle happen that day. And at the time when I was married to this other person, um, they asked me to drive 15 minutes to have lunch with them. And, you know, that was a miracle in and of itself, okay? But I used to take my two little girls, and I would uh, put them, well, one, I had the baby, and I was nursing, and then I had this this kindergartner, first grader who hated to wake up. And um, so what I would do is I would bring her into bed with me to cuddle with us in the morning. And we would read our history and our, you know, our Bible, things like that. So about, about an hour later or so, she would not be so hard to get up out of bed, but we'd already covered a couple of subjects. And so 
when, when I got the call, I was like, oh my gosh, I only got like 10 minutes to get out of here and an hour to get to where I'm going. So I quickly grabbed the children. It's completely sunshiny outside. I get in the car and I drive. When I come back home, the tree outside was sitting in my bed. And I found out from the neighbor that we were not gone 10 minutes and this outer band um, little twister came in in clear weather and knocked that tree down into the roof over the bed where we were. And I remember at the time I had been going through all these scriptures learning about, you know, the something opposite of what the church was telling me. You know, we I was like, everything good comes from y'all, right? And then I was reading, oh, but if you do this or if you don't do this, this is what happens. These judgments come upon you, right? So I'm looking at this and I'm going, oh my gosh, what have I done wrong? What am I doing wrong that that tree comes in there? <laughs> I've also learned that through the book of Job, which is full of science, that he directs his lightning exactly where he wants it to. So if you get struck by lightning, I'm just saying, okay? Um, so I was looking at these principles and I was praying and asking the father, what am I doing wrong? Am I not tithing? Okay, am I not tithing enough, right? Now I'm, I'm with an unbeliever, but still I'm, I am seeking the truth here. And uh, I very clearly, and, and Shell from the Heart of the Tribes here will know this because um, I've shared it with her. He very clearly showed me that I was a Joseph. Now, at the time, I did not understand what it meant in relation to today in the greater Exodus and the whole house of Israel. What I understood was I had dreams, I had visions, things came to pass, and people that hurt me or abused me would come and ask me for help, like Joseph's brothers, okay? So that's what I knew. And, and during this time, I had a, the most horrific time in my life, actually, uh, my life was father would give me a dream. And one day he gave me this dream and he told me, and I want to say it was John 10 and Romans. I, I'm not really good at the numbers, but he, he gave me, which is interesting because he gave me the numbers. <laughs> he gave me the numbers to read. He said, read these verses. So when I woke up, I went and read the verses. And this is what the verses basically said. And you'll know these passages. One was, when Peter is uh, with Yeshua and Yeshua is washing his feet. And Peter says, what are you doing, Father? You know, what are you doing, Lord, Yeshua? Why are you washing my feet? And Yeshua looked at him and he said, you know not now and don't understand, but you will. It took me like 20 years to really understand what he was doing by separating me in this time from this person. The other one was, my sheep hear my voice. Okay. And we can go into the word voice and we're talking about all kinds of power and energy and lightning, um, you know, that, you know, and then it's, it's also connected to the wholeness and to the bride. So there were just a, a lot of miracles and things that happened. Like he would tell me, um, you know, move the car, that tree's going to fall on it. And, and things like that would happen. So, and of course, we would move the car and everyone thought I was crazy. But, hey, the tree fell and then they just knew that 
I was touched. So whatever. Um, but so we get back to, um, so after this dream I had about the nations, I had this other one and this was right after I had made linen curtains for my uh, bedroom upstairs in Montana. And in 2004, five, six, seven, father was downloading frequencies, energy, light, um, the end goal of Bozra for his people to go to in the last days. Uh, and so those were the things that were always in my mind and my head. And, and, uh, and of course, this is when I started noticing uh, the chemtrails, noticing the things that were changing in the weather and the garden. And uh, there were different things that happened, sickness, et cetera, that would come around this time of the year when they started really right after winter, they used to, I think they do it through winter now, but they used to not really hit you hard until then. And then people would be sick within a couple of weeks, et cetera. Again, high places, stuff coming down, right? So one time I had this dream uh, looking at my linen curtains, which were real that I had made. And I saw these like black dots coming down from the sky. And as they were coming down, now remember, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit older. Uh, I computerized offices for people in the days when the word processor just came out. So when we did use them, we, we wrote what was called batch programs. Um, they were just basically like drop down menus and instructions. So here I'm looking at this black dots of digitization and as it's falling down, they're creating a menu. They're creating words and creating instructions, right? And they're falling upon us. They're falling upon the people. And then all of a sudden, this power from the Holy Spirit, from the Ruach, just came out. And I was speaking back against these digitizations, which were black and evil, coming down upon the people. So that was another illustration. And, and then the Holy Spirit just spoke to me that this was part of the Blue Spectrum uh, program. So... You know, and I don't want to go into too much of that because we don't want to get kicked off of everything. So um, if you don't know about those things, you can research them. But a lot of this stuff isn't even out there anymore um, because of the Internet. Um, OK, so. And then in 1999, I had to. Um, well, this was after 99, but before that, um, I was dragged back to Florida to fight a custody battle that I'd already fought once because um, I was accused of raising my children to live off the land, to fish, and to fight the government because we lived off grid in Northwest Montana. And um, father showed me lots of dreams and visions about what all that was about and, and the Masons, etc. And um, while I was there, I could not do Sukkot. Now, my husband and I have been doing Sukkot since, uh, I want to say, 94, 95, right? And so when I went, we went to Montana, the people there that we fellowshiped with, they didn't really know about the feasts yet. They really weren't doing them. And so, and then when I went back to Florida, a lot of people didn't either. And I was temporarily living in a barn, fighting this custody battle. And um, I... I had this vision and I explained this vision um, and I have three parts on YouTube and rumble 
And please, if you can, subscribe to Rumble because if we get 100 subscribers, we can live stream over there. Um, but it's called The Battle of the Two Witnesses or The Two Witnesses is in three parts. And I also talk about uh, technology and, and that. And so long story short in that is that he gave me a vision before I had the knowledge and understanding of the two houses, I understood that the two witnesses represented Judah and the house of Israel, which were predominantly Christians. And he showed me because my prayer at the time, this was Y2K. Okay. This was pre Y2K. He'd already shown me some dreams and visions three years before that. Um, and I, it just didn't, what he had showed me didn't mesh up with what the world was saying about Y2K. And so I was in prayer at the time about, you know, Yeshua, when are you coming? I mean, because this just isn't lining up, right? And I did not expect, I did not expect the answer that I got. And that was this vision of these people uh, on the Mount of um, the Temple Mount there in Israel dressed in white and again this is before i get the idea about about linen which also which actually happened because of my problem with static living in north montana and i had to figure out a way to get rid of the static so i wouldn't get shocked every time i went shopping or got out of my car that's really what turned me on was the light electricity energy of uh linen and so i have this vision i see these people and he tells me specifically i watch these people i understand that they're two houses i understand that they're thousands of people they're not just two individuals and that they're they die on this mount i watch them die and when they're resurrected he tells me the same spirit that rose yeshua you know me from the dead is the same spirit that's going to raise up my bride the um the student or the bride is no better than the master or the rabbi, right? And she has to be proven by giving her life and laying it down. So when the I bring her back up and resurrect her, that is a rapture. And I could see him coming out of the heavens with the army. But anyway, so, and within a few weeks after that vision, I walked into this house I saw this book with two sticks on it, and it's called uh, Who is Israel by Batya Wooten, which, by the way, is uh, ill, and we're doing a fundraiser trying to um, help her. She, she, you guys, most of you out there do not realize the work that this woman and her husband did 30, 40, 50 years ago that has laid the foundation for most of the leaders that we have seen and what it has produced over the years to get to where we're at today. Uh, having been in this walk for almost 30 years, um, you've seen it come a long way. But anyway, so I, I saw that book. I was, I, I was, beside, I was beyond myself because I, I wasn't respectful, which usually I am very respectful. And I just reached out, grabbed that book when I saw the picture and the title and I then suddenly realized what I had done and I looked at the person I had said, I am so sorry. That was rude of me. I, this book was just compelled me to pick it up. Right. And the person said to me, I don't want that book. Somebody left it and I don't, I don't care. You can have it. Well, I read that book by Batya Wooten and it, it confirmed most of the things that Yahweh had been showing me 
but I could not discuss with anyone because it would it was considered sacrilegious. And today, you know, all of us here, we take it for granted, you know, like, you know, thousands of people. I remember when we could count five or 10 in the whole region of North Idaho, right, or Northwest Montana to have these discussions with. Um, so anyway, so we had, um, so we, we had all that and that was a confirmation of understanding, understanding that. And then power. Um, so let's flash forward. So I've, I've got all these things about light, energy, uh, digitized technology. I had driven back and forth across the country because I used to teach down in the Southeast or visit family and then work my way back up to Northwest Montana, 3,100 miles back and forth. And it used to be when you drove from Northwest Montana down across Montana, which is over 500 miles, and you got to South Dakota, you did not get cell service unless you were in Billings, Bozeman, Butte, Missoula, or Kalispell. So you could drive hours and hours and not have any service. It's pretty much the same thing when you went over South Dakota. Uh, South Dakota. You know, once you got over that, once you got over the Mississippi and started making your way down, it's pretty much you had service. But I did this trip several times. Of course, I've done a lot of times in my, my lifetime, being an Air Force brat and having parents from both ends of the country. But I started counting the miles in between the towers and the service. And it got to where it became 20 miles. The next trip, it became five miles or less. I, uh, in 2011, had started uh, radio with Hebrew Nation Radio. And I, and I was working like, I did at least three to five shows a week. And I didn't, I had a Wi-Fi sitting under my desk at my knees. Within a matter of a couple of months, I was crippled and I was in a lot of pain. And I had a wonderful uh, listener, um, I'll just say his name, John Reed. And he sent me an EMF shield. And that was like, I, I had insomnia. I had lots of issues going on. Had no, you know, I was, I was beginning to see and understand. I'm knowing that we probably needed EMF shields, but it didn't really have the time, you know, uh, with all the children and mother to take care of and everything. And so in home study, but he sent me one and that made me investigate. And then I came to find out that it, they were invented. Um, the shields that we carry on remedy.com. We have three separate stores. One's an EMF store. And uh, I, I actually have a radio program with her too. And um, she's a, a Messianic Jew and her and her husband travel around the world doing ministry um, especially to uh, Holocaust survivors is one of them. And he does uh, energy, frequency, music, concert pianos type where they do praise and worship and healing. Anyway, um, so they introduced that, me to that. And that that helped me sleep. That, that helped me with some other things. But I, for the next six years, fought and detoxed and worked at getting well enough so that I could walk again. Um, I, I couldn't hold a purse. I, I, I had to drag and club my feet up and down the stairs. That's how, how bad it was. Um, and, you know, of course, everyone thought I was crazy. And nobody believed me. But I realized that it was part of the problem was the Wi-Fi. It was destroying the cells in my body. And so 
when we look at debar, which gets translated as word or communication, that's the contronym to debar. Same letters, just just a flip with the vowels, right? And so that's so what I'm doing or what I'm getting is vibrations, frequencies, energy of disorder and death, not life, right? Because if it was from Elohim's perspective, a debar, um, and, and I'll show you that in a pictograph in probably the next few shows. Um, so that's what I'm suffering from. And um, so I'm getting, I'm getting this concept. I get so bad that I can feel, I, I still can, but I don't always feel the pain because the more you detox, the more well you get. And I have a theory that the more your nerves are shot, the more parasites you may have and everybody has them. They just don't realize how much. And now we have other things to deal with that <clears throat> gets poured on us and in our water and in our food. Um, the, you know, with the heavy metals, the bots, whatever they want to call them. Uh, we have, it, it is now today a battle every day to breathe, to eat, right? Our water, our food, our breath, our air is polluted. The enemy is on full barrage. The weather, all of it, okay? So I lost my train of thought there. Hang on. Um, so anyway, we we need, it's a battle, okay? And um so what would happen is I could feel them. And I still to this day, and I, I will share, I probably won't have time today, what's happened in the last six months uh, digitally from the high places uh, to me. And uh, it's been a really, really hard year. Um, but I can sense them. I can feel them because I, because I get the pain. And I convinced my mother on this trip, so she thought I was crazy, uh, I, we went, we took 6,200 miles to Florida and back. Right. And she would start complaining about these pains. And I noticed that I had them too, but I don't, obviously they don't hurt as bad for me at that young of an age. And, um, I noticed that whenever she complained about that, we were near a tower. Even if you can't see the tower, I always feel them. And I tell you, if there's a tower, there's a tower. Just a matter, is it hidden? What's it behind? You know, where is it? Sometimes it's just a phone. Certain people's phones, especially Androids, really get to me. But anyway, so I told her all the way there, Mom, it's a tower. And you're feeling that pain because of it. We're coming into, you know, remember, this is when they were 20 miles apart, right? And so on the way back, she'd been paying attention. She'd had over 3,100 miles to pay attention to this. So on the way back, she says, well, okay, I'm going to try this. So we went into a store at the gas station, and she bought aluminum foil. She made her a foil hat and foil gloves. And do you know what? She didn't have any more pain on the rest of that trip. And uh, this is why when you're under aluminum roof, you you can't get service, etc. So anyway, um, these things will, you know, eventually all tie together. And what my real goal is to show you how it is in the scriptures, uh, where we can find this and how can we how can we recognize it? Right. And then the other thing I noticed was, you know, beautiful northwest Montana, especially in North Idaho, have all these beautiful mountains and 
Over the years, I saw them get filled with towers. What used to be the joy of being in those areas, as far as the beauty um, and the ions that you get going high, you know, in um, in the science of um, iridology, he understood the positive and negative in the body. I can't think of his, I want to say it's Bernard. I, I can't think of his name right now. But I got an old, old book from a chiropractor who had one. And I went through the book. And I saw about the positive, negative energy, the positive, negative uh, foods. Um, you know, because some people's bodies are stronger. And, and one of the ways you can look at that is that, like when you look at people, is their right eye bigger than their left eye? Is their left eye bigger than their right eye? We can see some of these imbalances of energy uh, when we look at people. And if you've noticed in the last 10 years, especially, it's more and more. A lot of people will be more crooked on one side of their mouth or their speech or something. Um, and that's just an it's, it's an off balance that gets translated in through energy. And so I was reading about how if you're, you know, more left or more right, and I can't remember the remember it right now, but you would eat more foods with that. And, and in my case, um, more fruits and veggies and less meat. Um, and or do you feel better at the height of a mountain with the ions that are there versus um, going to sea level? You know, for some people, this could be a matter of their health because they need that particular energy to for their heart or their blood pressure, etc. Um, and so when we learn more about that, when we go into the olive top body system, um, so those, those are other things that, how we see this, this energy, right? And then we see these mountains and you can be in the wilderness, which is controlled by our government for our good to enjoy, not, but you can be in the middle of the wilderness and don't ever, ever think you're not being seen or watched. I have drones everywhere. Okay, just saying. Whether you can see them, they're there. I could tell you stories. Anyway, um, so, you know, we're looking at these kinds of things. Now, let's flash forward, um, and I'm going to only take 15 more minutes, probably. Let's flash forward to 2017. Because I used to have a website a long time ago <clears throat> in the early 2000s on I was writing a curriculum um, out of Egypt, raising the remnant. I was trying to create a website um, showing the biblical perspective of the twelve of, of the constellations, because constellations are oats or signs in the heaven, and just like our Hebrew letters are oats, they're signs, right? And I believe that originally, from my research, that the stars in the heavens before we wrote with paper, right? or carved in stone, we had the writings in the heavens. When, when you were in ancient times, you would read the heavens and the stories would be passed down through the patriarchs. And we, when we study the Hebraic perspective of the heavens, we see a story created in the heavens. There's 12 tribes, there's 12 main uh, constellations, the tribes actually camped underneath in order, reflecting on the earth as it was in heaven with the throne in the middle and throne up above. I mean, these are all things, right? 
And just to give you kind of an example, um, so most times when we look at Sagittarius, right, we're looking at half man, half horse with this bow and arrow, right? That's a perversion, right? But if it was redone and there was this lady who was redoing them, um, I don't know if she's still alive. I have not been able to research her or find her. Um, the people who have that information won't share it, but she had redone some pictures of the constellations and one of them was Sagittarius and Sagittarius, which was usually the half man, you know, half horse, whatever it was, is Yeshua coming back on a white horse with his bow, which reflects a lot of the scripture. And then you learn that, you know, Benjamin is Gemini or the two brothers or the two houses um, Ephraim, Manasseh is the bull, the Taurus, which of course, what was their symbol in the wilderness? You know, Judah, lion, the lion, um, the king, the king star, the regal, you know, even the star in that, in the shoulder. There's so, there's so much to that. Okay. But anyway, so we're looking at, um, the heavens and, um, don't really know where I went there or why, but let's get to, to, okay. So, so yeah, so 2017 is coming. I'm sitting there in Salem, Oregon, or not in Salem, Oregon, but just outside of Salem, Oregon. And this 2017 eclipse is coming back. And I'm doing the research and I'm seeing that it makes a top across our country. Uh, the next one will come from the opposite direction in 2024. And I'm looking at, because I have studied the calendar, uh, used to study it, was um, one of those outcasts on the calendar. Um, it really taught me to look and, and study and watch things that most people don't. And so um, anyway, so I see this top coming across and I, I know this eclipse is pretty important and it's going to, you know, completely come over where I live, but I actually ended up driving to Northwest Montana to watch it with my grandchildren to watch them. So it wasn't complete darkness there, a uh, different parallel, but I did a show on that and um, you can catch that also but i think that's a radio show and so that'll be on our radio archives um on remnantrumi.com you can go radio archives it wasn't a video it was right before we went to video but here's the thing i want to share with you um so that came i believe it was august september when the when the eclipse came in right now here's some interesting things what a lot of people don't know and have not connected is this I wish I didn't have the information to connect this, but in Northwest Montana and supposedly originally they just said, Oh, the university or, or whatever of Montana is doing this balloon experiment during the eclipse. So they knew that the atmospheric conditions, regardless of what they report to you in the news was optimal for what they wanted to do with these bacteria balloons. Now, you know, and then the other part of me is like, who's crazy? Like, who doesn't get, why would you spread bacteria? And back then you could research the bacteria that was in the balloon and find out how a lot of it was outlawed in Europe, how it killed birds, how it killed bees. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. And then you're dumping it on us, right? Well, that came along and um, I want to say it was August, September. And so from then on, which of course this is make national news in Northwest Montana, which wasn't far from where those were released. 
which by the way, it wasn't just one balloon. I found out in the last year or so, it was over 50 balloons. And guess what? They have this balloon project for our benefit and they plan on doing it again during the next eclipse during 2024. So what kind of sickness will come out of that? Because if we go back to here, I'm going up back to Northwest Montana to watch my grandchildren during the winter uh, spring break, okay, to help their mom and of course get to visit them. And they've been sick off and on since this balloon eclipse, which at the time I didn't connect. I just knew there was an epidemic up there and they'd been sick off and on. And so I packed this huge trunk full of herbs and supplements and essential oils and, you know, juice, fasting, except I got all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, I'm going up there. I take my uh, number four son or number four child and he goes up there with me. He drives with me and we go up there and visit. We're not there 24 hours and I'm determined to get my grandchildren well. 24 hours and my son, who was probably 19 at the time, and me were so sick and passed out that we did not leave, except to go to the restroom, we did not leave, I didn't leave the couch for two weeks before I was strong enough to sit up to get in the car and I couldn't drive. He was well enough to drive. He, he went through it faster than I did, but he bled. He bled out of his nose. We took rolls of toilet paper and garbage bags and filled them up. And the only reason we got through that was because my grandson was helping me because I couldn't speak. I couldn't talk. I couldn't call the ambulance. They wouldn't find us. If they did, I couldn't admit him. I couldn't breathe. I had a dream of a, a vision about my friend who had cancer that night. Um, which I believe was the moment she passed away. The next morning I get a phone call. I can't answer the phone because I can't talk. I can't talk. I can't breathe. And uh, I find out later that she passed away during the night. Uh, but I could not allow myself to mourn her because I knew that if I did, I couldn't breathe. I wouldn't live. I already wasn't sure that I was going to live through this. It took 13 weeks to get my voice back and to get well enough. Flash forward, I'm like, I want, I want to do research on this. I was going to do a show on this. I pulled up all this documentation about the bacteria, et cetera, because now I'm like, oh, my gosh. Flash forward to, oh, what do you think one of those supposed things were in those balloons that we've been experiencing in the last couple of years, which... I don't necessarily believe there is such a thing as a virus. I think it's more of a reaction. And I also believe that it's so multi-layered that we can use energy from high places that are pulsing. Um, let me put it to you this way. If you're familiar with a Rife machine, a Rife machine can measure different things in your body. There's other machines that do this, but in particular, you can measure and say, oh, you have a parasite. Not only do you have a parasite, but it is a specific parasite. Well, how do we remediate that, right? We can use that same frequency or energy and put it back and pulse it back into the body to get rid of it. Now, we're used to doing with this with herbs and, you know, 
maybe some antibiotics and you know most uh, pharmacia is made from natural plants they use something and then they pervert it and change it so they can patent it right but you know even like the ivermectin right we sell the uh, wormwood oil well where do, where do you think they get the essence of ivermectin right so anyway um the you know there's just this stuff that's going on and so we can they can mimic things like they can mimic a heart attack they can mimic a stroke okay with what is going on in the high places okay um two years ago this august i had a stroke and it wasn't a normal stroke okay i believe it was either purposely targeted or a general target of a tower but the reason i say it wasn't normal is this for three to four hours to my husband i was awake and talking but i just kept asking him where am i what day is it and i didn't know my daughter was in the hospital who i just checked with earlier that day who had been admitted for breaking her leg in a terrible break I only remember coming to once and I remember I I realized when I came to in my mind I had been missing. So I asked, I remember asking that one time what day it was, right? And then I knew I was gone again. And when I woke up almost 4 hours later in my husband's arms and he doesn't know what's wrong with me, but I don't have normal signs of a stroke, okay? Thank goodness, because I'm so glad I didn't end up in the hospital. I did after two days of trying to recollect my memory, retrying to correct my, you know, collect myself. For the sake of my family, I decided to walk back into the hospital. There's not a thing they did for me, except they wanted to shoot me with blood thinners and put me in the hospital and put me on drugs. And I said, no way. And they wrote in my chart that I was crazy and I exited. I really, really only wanted to know did I have an ischemic or a hemorrhaging one? And I pretty much figured out. Well, long story short, I found out that for whatever reason it was, I wasn't getting enough oxygen. I discovered some things about my throat that I had a narrow breathing passage, which I already knew my son did. And uh, I had to do some remediation with my pillow and some different things. But, um, and I got a, I can't think of the word right now, but most of us don't know this, but in the back of our mouth, especially wherever we've had our wisdom teeth or something pulled out, the dentists do it in such a way that it doesn't kill the bacteria. Our bodies are meridians, you know? So if you have a tooth problem, you have an organ problem somewhere that connects to that tooth. Start looking up tooth charts, okay? I could tell you a lot about my experience with that, but I'll, I'll skip it for today. But here's the deal they are connected. And so what happens is a lot of us have long time illnesses or problems back and forth. And we don't know why, but it's because wherever they pulled that tooth, there's a pocket that is full of bacteria that is systemic in the body. 
And so there's a cavitation surgery you can get. And then they, they take that out, they clean it out in such a way, and then they, they can send the um, material there uh, to the lab. And then it comes back and shows you what kind of stuff was trapped in there. And so a lot of times this is what brings final healing in some areas for people. And there's an excellent one in the Portland area, Dr. Pascal. Uh, he's also trained, I think, as a naturopath. But um, anyway, and there's a, a what they call a cone X-ray. People, until you've had a cone X-ray, you, you wonder why they don't do it for all kinds of things because it reveals things that a regular X-ray will never reveal. Okay, so anyway, um, so that is you know where where we're going, and then keep track of what was going on. I keep track of, I, there's a place I go to that sends me a satellite reports. How many thousands of satellites have been put up in the air? So we're not just dealing with towers. We're dealing with weapons and drones and satellites. I personally believe from my studies and what I know, you know, take it as you will, that when the scriptures talk about the day when the figs are falling and people are hiding, a lot of it is going to be those satellites coming down, those drones coming down, right? And this spider web that they put around us. Um, so my biggest thing here is to bring your attention to these things. How do they affect our lives? From January to March of this year, I first spent uh, three, four days with my eyes swollen shut, feeling like there were nothing but daggers going into my eyeballs and rakes coming down my eyes. I have had spinal meningitis. I have had back labor, natural with no pain. And I can tell you there was, I thought spinal meningitis was the worst pain until I had this. It was pure torture. I would have willingly given birth to 12 children back to back. And of course I'm blind during those days. And then I would have three days or so of recovery and I could start to get my vision back. But do you know I would think between 12 and 14 weeks, this happened to me every single week. Sometimes, you know, less. And then the last time was, well, the second last time was more. Uh, I, I was pretty sure originally it was the thing going around. However, that's uh, real or unreal uh, as far as whether what it is. But my husband, um, because I was having another one the last time, almost as bad as the first time, because I can't function. You can't, when you're in that much pain, you can't think, much less if you can't see, you know, just, and I'm trying to pack and move, right? Um, so I went, I went to, I finally went to an eye doctor, which I, you know, I was pretty sure there's nothing they really could do with me. They don't study, which by the way, if you want to do a research on, 5G syndrome. Of course, it's you know maybe not real, but of course it's real. Um, there are doctors that are finally getting trained and learning what they need to do, right? 
because people are getting sick and instead of just prescribing drugs or, or figuring out how to, you know, some of them really do care and want to find out the reason, they realize that it is involving this digital technology, okay? So anyway, so I go in there and he looks at me and he goes, oh, you're just old and your eyes are thrashed. Your lining of your eyes is almost gone. And I'm like, no, duh. But, you know, you just have dry eyes. You know, just put some tears in your eyes. Okay. I knew, you know, I'm like, there's no way. There's This is not my issue. Um, but, you know, I put the dry because it does help when your eyes are already thrashed so bad. I mean, you definitely need that. Um, but one of the things he did, and I broke down, and I let him put steroid drops in my eyes. Well, that helped take away the pain. And by this time, it's like drip, drip, Chinese torture, right? I, um, week after week after week, you know, I mentally was really being broken down, trying to keep myself together here. Now, mind you, I've also just moved in my 88, now 89-year-old mother, and I'm trying to take care of her. Um, and I can't be there for her. So anyway, so I get the steroid drops. I get a week. I get 10 days of no pain and no blindness, no spiky. We load up our truck finally after three to four months of trying to do this. We drive from Oregon to Idaho. About an hour and a half before my destination, we drive through Spokane. 10 days pain-free. All of a sudden, my left eye is spiking. It starts watering. And I mean, to me, I just felt it. Boom. I turned to my left. And what did I see? Towers on top of buildings, staring at me, okay? Father just showed me, it is the towers. Now, what I also didn't know at the time was back in Oregon, in my little town, we had just had two new towers put up within one mile of our house. By the time I got from Spokane to Coeur d'Alene, which is about 30 minutes, my eyes were so watered and I was blinded enough that I needed someone to come meet me to drive my vehicle the rest of the way. It took me again three to four days to get my sight back, get recovered. About five, six days later, I take the back dirt road into the small little town over the mountain here. Thank goodness there's no big towers shooting down on me here, which is probably why we lost the internet earlier. I drive into town and you go up to this winding dirt road and it's in the forest and I'm coming, I'm starting to come down and all of a sudden it's like somebody sprayed something in the air that hit my eye, this energy hit my eye. And it wasn't so much a spiking as it was like a bad onion and they started watering, but I looked through the woods to my right, across the woods, across the mountain valley, and there, what was there? 
on the top of the other mountain, now at my level where I'm driving, is a tower. And again, Father confirmed it. It is the towers. So I did some more research and learned about how they can mimic and they pulse the energy to create, you know. And if you were one of those who watched and mourned and cried over those Chinese people who were just standing in the streets and suddenly dropped dead, it's because they have that power. And you can talk to specialists in the 5G field who mitigate. Um, I, I have a friend who does that. Um, where the sicknesses were the worst is in those places where they have that. And so it is a multi-level problem. Heavy metals, what you drink, what you eat, what you put in your body <clears throat> and other forms and ways, right? All have a layer effect on what is going on with our health. This is a battle. So we don't really have any room left to be eating junk. We just don't. We don't, we don't, we don't have that threshold anymore. It is going to be the strongest to survive in the sense that those who are the most obedient, the most obedient to treat their bodies as the living stones tabernacle. And I don't know about you, that's part of my motivation. You know, enough pain, I get motivated. Even though the flesh, right, wants to, you know, the flesh is always crying out. So it's always a constant battle. How do I get my spirit to line up over and control my body, get my body under my spirit, which is Yeshua, Yahweh's spirit, in me to control? How am I going to be an effective tool if I'm always sick? I mean, it's hard enough if you're trying to do everything you can, right? So it's important that we that we learn these things. It was interesting that I just last night saw that on Mount Everest, which is the tallest mountain above sea level, um, they just put a big tower. Again, they're going to the highest places whether it's with the towers or whether they're taking the drones or whether they're taking the satellites, because this is the only way and the purpose of our space program as written when you're down there at the space center. Of course, we never dreamed what it really meant. It was for tracking, tracking and communication, tracking you, watching everything you say and do, Every transaction you have, every thought you have, to controlling you by pulsating energy to make you bow down to worship. And I say that this is a time and day that we live in that you have to decide. Is it even unto death that you will praise him? Is it good? that you have been afflicted, that you might learn his statutes, learn his Torah and be obedient. It is good in a sense that we're getting all of this because it is having to teach us how to learn to battle in a way that's going to use his energy, his light that flows through us 
through our mind, through our mouths, through our actions and our bodies so that we may be able to be the witnesses to the rest of the world, to call them into repentance. And there will be a time when the switch will be flipped on and we will be empowered like we've never seen before, not just individually in little situations here and there, but corporately, the bride will be empowered. Now, before you get too excited about that, remember what happens to the witnesses. They know their time is short. There comes a day when the enemy overcomes them. They lie in the streets for three days and then they're resurrected from the dead. And now we have a showdown like Elijah, right? When that light and, and, uh, when that lightning or what came down and hit that water, right? And we got to remember from creation, from Genesis, that same light, that same energy and that same water was there because when you bring the two together, I mean, you think it's going to put it out, but it doesn't. It actually, water conducts electricity, right? So of course there's going to be a big bang. There's going to be a big resurrection and the people are going to be in awe of what is going to happen. And so you know, for those of us who make it that long, we need to understand this is an end goal. In the meanwhile, blessed are those who get to go now and get their rest. And I'm telling you, sometimes I would welcome that. But I have had to repent for wanting that easy way out because we have children, we have grandchildren, we have families, we have friends. And they need to know and hear what Yahweh's people has to say and call them and open their eyes and love them so that they can see and understand that this power is real. But there's an artificial one and there's a real one that's going to raise the people from the dead. And with that, uh, next week we'll go into some verses and I will hopefully be able to break apart uh, Amar, Debar, and Genesis 1-1 and show you how the basis of all of this is right there in the life force and energy of creation. Um, so that being said, thank you so much for your time. And I just want to thank again the people here at the Heart of the Tribe for everything that you do and for the community that you are creating here and for supporting each other and given me this privilege and opportunity. And again, I hope that this is a blessing and a help to y'all and that we together will find the solutions to this. And we will be going through Bible study words. You know, you're just gonna see, mostly I'm just gonna come here and share with you. And we're gonna go through some words and some scriptures and see what all of this is about and how and what Father wants to show us. Um, anyway, so thank you so very much. And blessings to you all until next week. Father willing and the creek don't rise or the fires don't come here. <laughs> and um, we pray that Father will allow us to have the ability to use the airwaves that he created for his goodness and his mercy and his grace. May your garments always be white and let your head lack no shimmer. Shalom. It's time to prepare 
Bye.